Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Today, my good friend Jeanette Ma is coming back, and we're talking about getting clear on what you want and then putting it out there. How many of you really struggle to know what it is that you want? You may know what you don't want, may agonize about how you have what you don't want, how do you get what you want and how do you get clear on that? So we have this interesting conversation with Jeanette and I will circle back afterwards. Thanks so much for listening today. Jeanette Ma, hello and welcome back. I'm so excited to play with you again. I love playing with you. So today we're going to talk about getting clear on what you want and then putting it out there. Yeah, this is a topic. I think no matter who you are, what you're up to in life, There's a lot to be gained from this conversation because there are a lot of ways we sabotage our success without realizing it. Okay, so let's talk about the sabotaging our success first. Let's get that out of the way. Well, one of the most obvious ones that comes to mind for me, and you've probably got some ideas on this one as well, but I cannot tell you how often I see people who are there trying to want what they don't really want. That might sound insane, like, oh my gosh, who would ever do that? You'd be surprised how often it happens. And and it can happen for a variety of reasons, either because they've invested so much in something that they aren't willing to walk away from it. (laughs) That can happen in relationships. It can happen in jobs. It can happen in money. In fact, I was just talking with someone not too long ago who had made a big financial investment for her business. And um, it was going sideways on her in a, in a lot of ways, but she refused to walk away from it because she'd put all this money into it. So here she was trying to create a positive outcome with this thing that she'd invested in when the truth is if she, if she could really have whatever she wanted, it, it wouldn't be working with this person who she'd hired for her business anymore. And we've seen it in jobs. Hello, it took me a while to be willing to walk away from something that I'd invested not just so much time, but so much training in. I mean, I had I had credentials and licenses and designations that had cost thousands of dollars and many years to get. So to walk away from that, sometimes what I'm saying is we, we try to convince ourselves we want something that we don't actually really want. And I love it when Michael Neal said, it's, it's, it's really hard to manifest something that you don't truly want. So if we aren't being honest with ourselves, about our desire. Another obvious example in relationships, we sometimes see where someone's not willing to, um, to get a divorce, whether it's because of kids or because of they have financial fears or whatever, you know, what their community will think of them if divorce isn't accepted in their, in their circle. But whatever the reason, they're trying to make it work with someone when really what their heart wants is not to be here anymore. So I think that's one of the first ways we sabotage ourselves is that we aren't being honest about what we truly want. Have you seen that before? Oh, absolutely. I think so often we want what we think we're supposed to want. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, I mean, this is me, my case with my job previously. Well, here's this job that so many other people want, so I should want it. And there must be something wrong with me if I don't want it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I... I I experienced it personally myself as well when I never learned how to ask myself what I wanted. It was made clear to me what I should want. Things like, um, you're going to do well in school, and then you're going to do well at work, (laughs) and then you're going to get married, and then you're going to have some kids. Like it was, you know, this is what you do. And and I just assumed, all right, that's what I'm going to do. So I did. I did well in school. I did well at work. I got married. It wasn't too long. Bef- you can only do this for so long before the life drains out of you. <laughs> you don't want to do it anymore. Uh, it, it can affect you in a wide variety of challenging ways. And it took me a while to wake up to the fact that I wasn't going after my own dreams. But that's important for us to connect with. So for the listeners out here who this is resonating, right? They're like, yes, I have this life that I don't want. 
but I'm wanting it and I'm working really hard to prove, you know, to keep it. But how, Jeanette, you said you learned how to ask yourself for wh- what you wanted. How do they do that? How do the listeners start to get you know clear what? about what they want? I think that's going to happen for all of us one way or another eventually because we can't keep going down the path that isn't that we that doesn't resonate with us before it starts to take a toll. Either we will get sick enough that we can't continue down that path or there will be something that stops us from going it could just it could be depression. I mean there it just doesn't work. And it, I like the idea of recognizing that sooner rather than later so we don't have to get terribly sick or depressed before we recognize this routine doesn't work. That was not the case for me. I did not catch on early. I became both sick and depressed before I realized um, this, this routine, I got to have a new plan. In fact, you know what my wake up call was when this is when I was doing the routine of, you know, thrive at work and I was married and supposedly I was walking the thing I was supposed to be doing and could you hear me take a deep breath? Even to recall myself here just makes me feel heavy. So um, I, I came and I was at a work. Oh, it was a dead. This job was killing me. Literally, it was killing me. But I didn't recognize it. It was the end of the day. I'm standing at the bus stop. And the, we all stood there at the bus stop. We all stood there like zombies. Everyone was just exhausted. And no one was friendly. No one was happy. We were all just standing there waiting for our bus to come. That's what we did every day. No one chatted, no friendliness, no happiness. And at least not at my bus stop. Because if, if I was a happy girl, I'd have been at a different bus stop, I'm sure. Anyway, there's a guy in, sitting in the gutter. He's a homeless guy. And he starts talking to me. And I'm mortified because no one talks at the bus stop, right? Everyone just stands silently waiting for the bus to come. But this guy starts talking to me. And I'm trying to ignore him, but I don't want to be terribly rude. But he, he asks me, do you work at the bank? And I said, yeah. And he said, oh, are you a teller? And I was an assistant vice president, but I said, yes, just so that I could try to not be talking with him. And he said, oh, I bet that's a really good job. And that made me kind of laugh that he thought being a teller would be a really good job. And I finally just let my wall down. I started talking to this guy and he tells me, <laughs> he tells me what his life is like. And, um, and he's friendly. And, and also, Corinne, he was so handsome. He had the most stunningly gorgeous blue eyes I'd ever seen. I thought, I bet this guy cleans up really good. And, um, and then the bus was coming. I could see it around the corner. I'm sorry I'm telling this story so long, but it was just such a wake-up call for me. I saw my bus coming, and I started to walk towards where everyone walks towards. And he saw me leaving. Oh, and he says to me, um, he says to me, hey, let's travel the country together. He said, uh, I'll play the guitar and you'll sing. Did I tell you he had played me a song on his guitar while we were standing there? And, um, and I just was, I fell in a little bit of love with him. And he says to me, let's travel the country together. I'll play the guitar and you'll sing. And as I'm stepping onto the bus, I said, are you crazy? I can't sing. And I got on the bus and we drove off and I heard him holler out, I'll meet you here tomorrow at the same time. And as we're driving off on the bus, I got this smile on my face and, and I realized the reason I said I couldn't go with him was that I couldn't sing. Not, I have a job, I have a husband, I have a home, I have a life that I love. That's not the reason. The reason I couldn't go is because I couldn't sing. And I thought, what if you could sing, girl? Oh, I forgot to tell you. What he said to me is, you'll play the tambourine. (laughs) (laughs) My dad got me a tambourine for my birthday one year after that in honor, in honor of this experience. What I realized on the bus was, there's something wrong with my life when hitting the road to go travel with a homeless guy appeals to me. That sounded like I wanted to be free. I wanted to live how he lived. I was like, girl, you got to do something different. Because on the day that homelessness sounds better than what you're doing, you have screwed it up. <laughs> that was really what kickstarted a heartfelt search for change. Not just, not just a better job. But the kind of change that I could really feel that would put me on a whole different path. And that's really what led me to, uh, I've, it wasn't long after that, I stumbled on Law of Attraction and got f- lit up to share it and then found coach training. It was, um, it was a turning point for me. 
You know, and thanks for sharing that story because when I was in my job, I mean, and it's like there's a part of me that has so much shame of even saying this, but I really daydreamed that I would get cancer so I could use my sick days and not have to go to work. Oh, you guys. Yeah. These are signs. (laughs) These are signs. You need change fast when we, yeah, are happy about being sick so we don't have to do life anymore. That's a sign. And, and the truth is, most of us weren't programmed to do what we wanted to do. And look, our parents and our teachers, our bosses, they all think we're steering us properly when they teach us, this is how you do it. This is what you should be doing, we, most of us. And there are exceptions, and God bless the exceptions. But most of us were trained not to care what our heart was calling for, but how to override that or how to not be swayed by it. Because there's work to do, and this is what you should be up to. If all we did was learn to trust and baby-stepping your way into it, you could do it in small ways where we trust what our heart's calling for. <laughs> Look, some, some of us just got to make big leaps because we got so, so dark and so deep that there's no other option other than to save ourselves by making big change. But if that feels too uncomfortable... I got to say, when I was actually working with a coach when I was looking to quit my job, and she said it as a threat when she said, if you can't find a way to enjoy your your job, then you are going to have to quit it. She meant it as a threat because I was not in a position to quit my job, not financially. But when I heard her say it, my heart soared. Like I heard it as permission. I heard it practically as an instruction. And I came alive with thoughts of quitting that job. And it served me tremendously well. But for someone who feels like, no, that's way too big and scary, whether it's getting divorced or making some big changes like that, you can practice baby stepping by trusting what your heart's calling for in smaller ways. And the more you practice it and the more you realize your world doesn't end when you let yourself have what you want in these smaller ways, it becomes easier to to practice doing it in the bigger ways too. So can you give some examples about the smaller ways? What, how can we put that out there in the smaller ways? You're just making me think, do I cry every time that I talk with you? I thought you were crying. I heard that. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't hear your question because I was like, how can I clear my nose? Without <laughs> so the, I love this idea of doing small steps, right? Oh, okay, because yeah, if you're, we're, again, we're so programmed to want this thing that we never even wanted, right? Like I was so programmed with that job. I remember, I mean, the irony of it is that when I was growing up as a kid, that job that I had was a position that was open in my, in my hometown. And my dad was, my dad was very adamant that my coach, my swim coach, you know, pursue that job because it was such a good job. And so, you know, what was I 10 at the time? What deep programming I had Mm -hmm. and not even being aware of it. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden this rare job really lands in my lap. (laughs) Right. I mean, it does. Like at the age of 23, I get this job. And, you know, by the age of 29, I'm tenured. And but it was so deeply programmed. So Mm -hmm. not knowing like I did Mm -hmm. all the things I was supposed to do. I had the good grades. I was the good kid. All of the things I was supposed to do without ever saying, okay, well, Corinne, what do you like? What do you want? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and our heart is constantly calling for it. Whether you want to call it your heart or your inner self, your your soul, your spirit. There's a part of you that is constantly, it's like got a neon light, a neon arrow pointing like over here. It's like whenever we feel a big yes, I was talking with you before we hit the record button about a house that I was looking at. And when I walked into this house, I just knew instantly, it just said yes to me in such a powerful way that I didn't have to decide about it. I knew this was it. In fact, that's how it's been every time that I found my house. As soon as I walked in the door, I was like, oh, I I, I just recognized I was home. Our heart is constantly pointing out to us what it is that we want. And when we just start practicing saying yes to that, I think we we develop a habit of trusting it and honoring it. And as we do that, we're going to feel better. We're going to get happier. The vibrations that we start flowing in life when we say yes to those, to our heart in even the little ways, it leads us to the bigger ones. So it's really not that hard to practice Or if you do, then it's worth questioning whatever thoughts are standing in the way of you thinking you can't say yes to what you really want. Whether it's like, uh, what I really want is to take a break, but I got to, you know, feed the kids or go to work or take care of mom or whatever it is that makes us think we can't even give ourselves a break. Question those thoughts. They're illusions and they are not serving you. Um, The more that we disown what our heart is calling for, 
the, the harder it is to hear. But once we start listening for it, it will speak louder and louder and louder. And you guys, we can always trust that guidance. It never steers us wrong. Our gremlin mind might not agree with some of the things it suggests, and you might be challenged to have the courage to honor what your heart's calling for when, you know, your gremlin mind is screaming why that's such a bad idea and what terrible things will happen when you do it. But again, this is where practice comes in handy. When you follow it and your world does not come crashing down, you'll get better at trusting it and honoring it in the future. So I want to share the story. I, I recently bought a car and it's been an interesting process because about a year ago, I started dreaming about the kind of, well not, you know, I drive around and I was like, Ooh, this is the car I want. It was an Audi Q7. I just thought it was the most beautiful thing. I love the way it looked. And I really, so it was like, I started dreaming about that. And uh, without even thinking like, when would I buy the car? But it was kind of like, Oh, wouldn't this be great if I bought that car next year? And in the fall, I decided I'm going to start looking at cars to go and buy. And outside of being seeing the outside of the car, I didn't really know what was the new technology of cars or any of that stuff. I didn't mm-hmm. know what it was that I wanted. And so the the thing I knew about myself is that I don't make good decisions when I'm in a panic. Mm. And I don't make good decisions when um, I feel pressed for time or in a place of fear. So I wanted to give myself plenty of time to just go through this process and to experiment, right? So I, I applied it to, I was like, I'm going to try this out with the car. So back in November, I decided I'm going to start looking at cars, have really kind of no idea, but I knew the Audi. But at that point, even I knew the Q7 was too big because I had this thing. <laughs> I wanted a car that was 184 inches or smaller. That was like one of my constraints. And people thought that was strange, but that was something that was became really important to me. And it actually became more important to me as I went through this process. Cause I didn't know would I really honor that or would I just finally say, no, forget it. I want this thing and I want it and I want it right now. But so I drove a lot of different cars and I started, you know, first I was like, Oh, this is really nice. And Oh, I like this. And then I drive a different brand of car and be like, Oh, they have this cool monitor. You know, there are different things, but I didn't know what I wanted until I started going through. And then there was a period of frustration that I had because I was like, wow, I wish this car had this and this, like, I wish I could like take all these different audible mail makers and put it into one car. Okay. (laughs) Like this would be so much better if they would just do this one. And I realized I started getting tense. So I stopped, you know, Mm -hmm. I took a break and then I would come back to it. And I, and it became more and more clear is definitely the 184 inches was really important to me. Another key component was I wanted to be comfortable with my back because I have a bad back. Mm -hmm. And so that became really important to me. And some of the things that I thought that were really important, like the electronics weren't as important you know, I still wanted like Bluetooth and that kind of thing, but they weren't, it wasn't like, I don't a know. Deal I had, breaker. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, like it had to be this one system, like, but, um, and so it was so interesting. And then the car that I wound up choosing was actually not on my radar six months ago. And it kind of came together quickly because I started going, okay, here are all the pieces of what I want. And, and I test drove it and I liked it. Now I wasn't as quick as you like walking into the house, but I think for me, who spent a lifetime, you know, not letting herself know what she wanted, right? <laughs> I'm a little slower to this process. And so, um, but I, I, after like a week I, or I don't know, I went, I went, walked away from it. And, but within a week, this was the car that I wound up getting, you know, and I test drove it again this, after, I don't know, six days later after the initial. And then that night I was like, I, I think that's it. And, but the next day I said, I'm going to go test drive these, you know, one of the Audis and, and Acura and stuff just to make sure. And, um, I just became more convinced. I was like, no, this is what I want. And so today it's so funny or earlier this week, I was like, my car is everything that I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just took me a long time. But in part of it for me is that I had to unpack, as you know well, me, I had to unpack all these stories that I had in my brain. And you were also learning what you wanted. Yeah, I mean, sometimes by just sorting through life, it gives us clarity about what we desire. We didn't know we wanted it until we bumped into what we didn't want. Mm-hmm. And that that was like, you know, when you, when I first went out to the cars, they're like, well, what do you want? Which I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, a year ago when I was thinking of the Audi Q7, I just thought the grill and the four circles looked really pretty. And I liked the shape of it. I was like, oh, that's such a pretty car. Right. But the other side was that I was so because I have a Honda Odyssey and I was so tired of parking that it's 201 inches and I have a bike rack on the back mm. and parking it in downtown Davis is just not fun. Mm. And I I just wanted something ease. And mm. the other side is that 
I have two Honda Odysseys, so it's not like I need any more seven or eight passenger mm-hmm. cars. I wanted mm-hmm. something small for me mm-hmm. that would be easy to get around in that I could park easily. Like that became more and more clear between probably May of last year to the fall. And then even, you know, and, and then I kept going, Oh, well, maybe I'm going to go bigger and I'll get 193 inches because the accurate MDX is 193 inches. But I'm like, what do I need another eight passenger seat or nine? <laughs> I, I don't need that. That's not what I want. Right. I want something that's easy to park. And you know, who would have, if you asked me this seven years ago, easy to park was not a priority. Well, and that's what life does. It continues to evolve. And for us to be able to keep up with new desires. And I love how you you shared your process about um, realizing what it is that you wanted. You look, sometimes we do this in relationships or in jobs where, or in our businesses, where it's over time through the sifting and the sorting that we realize there, there are things we, that, were, that matter to us that we didn't know before. And to not get frustrated in that process, but to know that this is part of the process and, and to celebrate it. That, you know, yes, maybe it's taking me a while to land on what I'm getting, but it's worth it because all of this is contributing to more clarity and, and to the more desire. So when we bump into what we don't want, that makes, makes us more strongly want what we do want. And that just makes the whole process worth it. And that's something you just said that's really important, I think, for the listeners to get is that when, when we go through this process and when we uh, don't get or when we, we get more clarity, right? Like as I was test driving these different cars and some, there were times I was like, I just want this to be over. And I was like, wait a second, I don't have to buy a car. My car is perfectly fine. You know, I don't have to buy a car. This is something that I want to do. And why not, why not find the one? Cause I just said, look, if, mm-hmm. if I got, if I got into that Audi and went, I love this, it's everything that I wanted, I would have gotten it. Mm-hmm. But it didn't work out that way. I was actually pretty disappointed. I was like, wow, this isn't, I'm not loving it. Like, and I really checked in with how I was feeling. But that, and, and that kind of happened for a lot of cars. I'm like, huh. And that was the other thing. I thought, oh, okay, well, if I don't really love a car, maybe I'll just wait because they're going to make cars better and different as technology changes. So I'll just wait another year and there'll be something else out there, right? That's what I kind of figured, which was so interesting because I was out of that whole scarcity mindset. You are so cool. You know what? I lo- I'm listening to your whole story about your car, listening to it from the perspective of someone who's in the market for a new partner or a new sweetheart, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just wait a year. There'll be someone new here. Yeah. <laughs> you well, don't have what you don't find what you want right away. Don't sweat it. Don't be in scarcity mode. Don't settle. <laughs> and, and I was just talking to a friend about that because we were talking, she was talking about relationships. And I was like, well, listen to my little car story. Right. You know, and because right. I think it is so applicable because I use my coaching that I do with my clients on myself for this car. Because mm-hmm. I know what my triggers are. My triggers are scarcity, not enough time, my back up against the wall, mm. right? And so mm. I gave myself plenty of time. I kept reminding myself, I get to choose. Mm-hmm. And and it's okay if I don't get a car. Even when I went to get, go negotiate or when I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go buy a car today, I told my husband, I go, I'm going to go play. You know, mm. and, and you know me, Jeanette, play is not really a big part of my vocabulary, right? It's <laughs> work hard. And so I'm like, I'm going to go play. I'm going to go learn. Like, I don't practice negotiating on a daily basis. So instead of getting uptight, like, I have to do it right way, I was like, I'm going to go play because I have nothing to lose. This Wait, is going to be a learning experience. That whole lack of attachment to your outcome is what serves you in having such good results. Because a lot of times it's when we're, we got to make it happen. And we're so like do or die about it that it kinks up the energy and it doesn't, it's not a fun process and it's not a happy ending. So kudos to you for being able to soothe yourself into that state of non-attachment by just reminding yourself, look, this isn't important. I don't, it doesn't have to be today. It doesn't have to be now. That's super helpful stuff for allowing it to work out really well. Mm-hmm. Well, and you've known me for a really long time. I mean, it's taken me a long time to get to this place too. I think depending on the subject, I mean, I had to do, as I was driving up to go look at that house, I was coaching my own self, like how to not be disappointed if this isn't it. Cause I kind of had a feeling that it was. So I was like, how to be good no matter what. Like, I'm fine either way. There's a country song by Bobby Pinson, fine either way. It's like, fine if she comes back and he's fine if she doesn't. I love that state of recognizing that I'm good no matter what does or doesn't happen. Abraham calls it unconditional living. It's choosing to be happy, not because X, Y, or Z is or isn't happening. It's because I said so, because I have the power to choose it. Mm-hmm. The more we practice that, the easier it gets and the better life goes because we don't, 
we don't get wound up about things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I, and that that non attachment. I mean, gosh, you know, I I understood it for so long intellectually, mm-hmm. but you know, to really be in a place where I can practice that mm-hmm. and let go of that kind of what I thought was control and you know certainty for the outcome has been huge. And again, the other side I think about this, my story about the car is again a year ago was a Q- Audi Q7, right? And the dreams of that. Now that I don't think any of it was wasted because it got me going, it got me thinking about it and and stuff. And then the car that I wound up getting that I love so much, if you had asked me six months ago, it wasn't even on my radar. I mean, my mechanic had even mentioned it and I was like, oh no. you know. <laughs> and, it, and it's so funny. I was like, wow. Because sometimes we get so fixated on this thing or this house or this relationship or this job Instead of like, okay, why not this or something better? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that, this is all part of the process of, of, I think there's some trust involved on getting clear about what we want, right? Like, like just allowing that realization or that knowing, allowing it to make itself clear to us rather than thinking it's on us to go nail this down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, ta- we had talked about, not not knowing what we want as part of the part of the one of the handicaps to getting what we want but i think another one that we often bump into is not feeling worthy of what we want mm. a- another one too is not believing in what we want not believing it's possible so there's some other places we could take this conversation if you want to but i heard you just start to ask me a question so i'll let you bring no, that up let, let's go with those two those are really important points so that let's start with the not feeling worthy yeah, it's because sometimes w- one of the reasons we don't let ourselves want what we want is because we don't feel um, for whatever reason. And for some of us who have been trained about believing that we have to work hard for the reward, we might feel like we haven't suffered enough or struggled <laughs> enough or studied enough or paid our dues in order to deserve it. Sometimes that gets in the way of it. And sometimes it might just be that we don't have enough self-love to feel like, um, to, to allow, whether it's a partner, like sometimes <laughs> if, we, if we're manifesting a really fabulous person in our lives, but we don't feel fabulous ourselves, we don't feel worthy of love from someone like that, it can stymie our attempts to draw that into our life. And all of this could be happening on, happening on a really subconscious basis where we don't recognize this is what's flowing. But if you don't feel worthy of something fabulous, whether it's an amazing job or an amazing relationship or financial prosperity or whatever it is you might want, if you don't feel worthy of it, that's going to, that's going to kink things up. And so how do you recommend people feel worthy? I have self-love practice all day long and also amping up your receiving skills. So those are, that's kind of the same thing, but... I tell people all the time, the universe can only be as good to you as you are to yourself. So if you're expecting good things from the world, you have to lead the way by giving good things to yourself. That happens in thought and in action so that you have good self-talk and that you treat yourself well, like the things that you do. You let yourself get the rest that you want. You let yourself eat and drink the things that serve you. And, you know, for some people who are really strict with themselves and what they really want is something pleasurable, but they don't because it's not on the diet, you know, mm-hmm. that could be it. Or it could be the opposite. Like if you, if you, it, it can, it's a little different for all of us. So it's not like you can, I can say, oh, here's the link to the page of what a self-love practice looks like for all of us. It's different for each of us. My self-love might be letting myself stay up late to work on this thing that I'm so excited about versus someone else's self-love practice might be to clear their plate completely of anything that they've got going on and let themselves take a break for the entire weekend. It's just so personal that I can't say this is specifically what it, what it looks like, but you know what it feels like. In fact, well, some people will argue that they don't. I don't, I don't actually know what it would mean to practice self-love. But if you just look at how you treat others, how you treat others that you love, in particular, how you talk to them, how you support them, the things you do for them, that can be your template for how to be good to yourself. And as you are practicing being good to yourself, it will enhance your feelings of worthiness. Um, The other way to practice this is to get deliberate about becoming a good receiver. And that's just a matter of 
saying yes to life when it's bringing something good. I like to ask people to start that in small ways. Like when someone gives you a compliment, receive it gracefully <laughs> instead of dismissing it or being uncomfortable with it. When someone, when one of the cashiers offers you, asks, do you need help with all of this stuff out to your car? Instead of saying, no, I've got it. Let someone help you. When someone is standing up in the room and says, hey, can I get you anything? Think of something to let them get you, even if you don't want anything, just for the practice of receiving. Because most of us are trained to be really good givers. You know, this is one of the traits that is emphasized in our culture about the importance of giving. And and it also feels good to give. So we tend to be much better at that than we are at receiving. But this is important. If you want good things from life, you have to know how to receive them. It might sound ridiculous. Like someone say, trust me, Jeanette, I would have no problem receiving a big financial windfall. And yet, look how many people, the statistics on lottery winners or even those who inherit big sums of money, it can be really challenging for someone who doesn't feel worthy of it. They burn through it really fast. We've all seen it happen. I've seen um, girlfriends who attracted a fabulous guy into their life, but they sabotaged it, not because they didn't like him, but because they didn't know how to be with someone who was good to them. Mm, That is so true. Yeah. It's interesting because um, recently I wound up sharing something with somebody that was, uh, and it was a compliment, right? And it wasn't from me, but it was from somebody else and I was passing it on and they wound up discounting it. And so again, I'm not really involved except as the messenger, but I was kind of bummed, you know, that they didn't receive it. And, and I've known that in the past, like I've had to really practice receiving in my own life to get to where I am. And there would, when I would not I would discount something that was being said. I didn't realize the impact it can make onto other people. Right. You know, right. and so I think it's so important to to receive it. And yep. if we don't believe it, that's our work to do, don't you think? Agreed. I couldn't agree more. I mean, on, on one hand, you could think of it as to receive something is to give a gift to someone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just to become a good receiver, like... Uh, you know, when when you when you try to give a gift to someone and they're uncomfortable receiving it, it kind of ruins it, right? It's so cool when someone just says, "Oh my gosh, that's fabulous! Thank you." It feels good. You know what? Giving that gift to someone else to receive what they are wanting to deliver to you in a way that is giving something to them, giving them the experience and the gift of giving. But really, we just are worth it. We're worthy. We deserve good things. And so learning how to be comfortable with receiving them, if, it, if we got to practice it, it is a practice worth engaging. And in my experience, most of us could use improvement in this area. So how do you practice receiving? I want to share a resource, actually, because I think, really, there should be, how many books? If we were to go to Google and search Amazon or something, how many books on giving? There's a bazillion. On receiving, I only know one. And it's by, I want to say, Amanda Owen, The Power of Receiving. And I'm a fan of the book just because of the topic, but I do find myself recommending it a lot because most of us don't get instruction on how to be better receivers. So I would start with something like that because she's going to have a variety of tips there. But I also like the idea of just practicing in those small ways, looking for opportunities for for how to say yes to something that life is giving us. Um, you know, I love how you said, you know, if you're going out to, you know, the, at the grocery store and the bagger offers to help you out for the longest time, I used to say, no, thank you. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I didn't want to be a taker. And mm-hmm. now I say yes. And often the bagger's like, Oh, you know, this is so great. Cause they want to go outside. Or, I know. You know. And I have a great time cause I get to get to know them and, and it, it's just so wonderful. But I have to be honest, Jeanette, when you said that, I was like, Oh, yay me. <laughs> Gold star Craig. <laughs> Here's how you're receiving. But, but I love how you gave something tangible like that because I think when I know I'm on the other end of interviews and stuff, I'm like, okay, what is it? Like, okay, receiving, that makes sense in the abstract, but how does it look? And sometimes mm-hmm. I'll think of really big things instead of something simple like that, that may be part of our daily lives that we can incorporate actually mm-hmm. pretty easily. Yeah. In fact, um, I was thinking about how uh, there, there are a handful of people who regularly send me money for nothing. Okay. And I say for nothing, but, um, but I was, I was kind of uncomfortable. I was like, uh, first I was like, what are you doing? What was this a mistake? Do I need to read? No, there's, they're sending me a gift. And then I was like, 
well, but why? Uh, what can I give you? And they're like, you don't understand. You already have. Give him so much. This is why. So I'm tithing, Jeanette. It's tithing. You're familiar with the principle. It's a really common one in law of attraction world. And, and I had to, it took me, they gave me practice on how to be able to receive something that, that didn't have an ebook attached to it or a group course attached to it or a membership or a coach session attached to it. And I really appreciate that practice of, of how to receive something that, because look, when it comes to money, a lot of us get kinked up about that. Even when a person is, oh my gosh, I cannot tell you how many clients I've worked with who are manifesting money. And then they refuse it when universe is delivering it because they aren't comfortable with the avenue, like a family member gave them a financial gift or someone in the community, you know, offering to give them some financial help because they know they need it. And they just, they, they really don't know how to receive that. And this is, it's an important thing to be able to be able to give universe the signal that says, I know how to receive this. Otherwise, we're not letting it through the door. And trying to manifest it is ridiculous when we don't know how to let it in. And I can't tell you how many people think they would have no issue with this. Watch me, Jeanette. Give me a winning lottery ticket. I'll show you what a good receiver I am. And yet, (laughs) experiencing it is a whole different thing. So um, I think starting in the small ways and then looking for looking for ways where we get a little uncomfortable and just being able to um, question the thoughts that are creating that discomfort so that we can get more real with ourselves and more comfortable on the receiving end. And I don't feel like that was a really good answer though. What would you suggest? Well, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about when we receive, it makes us feel vulnerable, right? Mm Because there's uncertainty, emotional exposure and risk. And so it's easier just not because now if we don't receive, we can control it, right? For the person like me who likes to control things, but we can try to control it and not have to receive and not be vulnerable. So my thing would be to invite the listeners to lean in and receive and be vulnerable and then see how that feels. And, and, and if you feel, you know, like there's that resistance, right? Stephen Pressfield will talk about resistance in the beginning, but after you move through that, experience, then check in and evaluate like, oh, okay, it wasn't as bad. Like having the bagger come out with me to my car, you know, maybe it's a bit awkward, but then I found out about them. I asked about them, you know, what do they do and how do they like working for this, this grocery store? Mm -hmm. And I got to know them. I got to connect with another human being, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or when somebody gives you a compliment or says that, you know, Whatever it may be. Like, I mean, I get to practice receiving when I get these emails about my show mm-hmm. and people will say stuff and it used to scare me and I'd be like, oh my gosh. And now I read it. I'm like, wow, isn't it so cool See? that somebody can be struggling with X? Like, I just got this email the other day. Somebody was saying they're struggling with this certain thing. They didn't want it, to, you know, me to share about mm-hmm. it, but how my show has really helped them. I'm like, here is a person I've never talked to, mm-hmm. never have, you know, don't never met. And this show is able to be such a powerful force in their life. You know, and I emailed right back. I just said, thank you so much. I'm glad that the show can help you. Like, and, but to be able to receive that and then be able to, you know, communicate that back to somebody else, that's taken me a lot of work to do. You know, and, and I, I appreciate your sharing how it's taken work and this is a process. It isn't necessarily something we practice, you know, for 30 days and then you've nailed it for life and you're done. But you know, another, there are things I think we can engage that can have a dramatic and quick effect. I know I practiced one where I can't remember who suggested this, but it was to write um, self-love affirmations, to write them on a page, fill a page and do a page every day. And I thought that sounds like it could be powerful. I'm probably going to give that to clients sometime, but I thought you should practice it, Jeanette, before you give it to clients. So I I engaged it, not because I thought I needed it. I had done so much self-love work. I was like, I didn't really think I had a lot of room for improvement. This is this is many years ago. I've since learned there's always room for improvement. <laughs> but uh, so I'm doing this exercise just to say that I did it when I give it to clients and I wanted it to be as short as possible. So I just, what's this, the shortest self-love affirmation I can think of? And it was, I am worthy. Mm-hmm. I am worthy. So I wrote a page of I am worthies. And uh, by the time I got to the bottom of the page, I got to say, I was feeling it. I liked it so much. I went back to the top of the page because here I was just trying to make it short. I wanted to draw it out. So I went to the top of the page and I finished each sentence a little differently. I am worthy of best friends. I am worthy of fabulous meals. 
I am worthy of good times. Just whatever came to mind, I finished each one a little differently. And I really, I, I was sky high by the end of that exercise. I had done this at night before I went to bed. Uh, I woke up the next morning and within like, within the first half hour, my life was exploding with good news. There was good news in my inbox, in my mailbox, on my voicemail. It was like, there was money coming in that I didn't even, wasn't even expecting. There was just, there were accolades, there were opportunities. I just, after like the third thing in a row, I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening here? I kind of got to look around and say, what did you do different? Because life is amazing. Capture this. (laughs) And the only thing I'd done different was the I am worthy affirmations the night before. So I became a pretty big fan of those for making a really, and all we're practicing with that is reminding ourselves of the truth. We're not creating something that doesn't already exist. We already, all of us already, automatically, always are worthy. By, by just reminding myself of that through that written exercise, I was just reactivating a truth that already existed. It's not like I was creating something new. It's already there. It's just a matter of remembering it and owning it. I think that's why that exercise was so magical. But that can be a really practical way, you know, rather than waiting for someone to give us a compliment or offer to help, <laughs> that we can start practicing um, feeling worthy of what we want. You know, and it's so important because I think when I was such the approval whore, the approval junkie out there and people would, you know, I would hustle so hard for that approval for mm. others. It was like it would go into my holes, but it would go out the other end. Mm, right. It would mean. stay. And mm-hmm. versus now, you know, I that I am worthy, such a great exercise. And I've done that. Mm-hmm. And when you can own it and then you can. Again, we will all have our, we can all have our days and our moments where we may not like something about ourselves or like ourselves and stuff. And I know for me, that's a red light of, um, okay, Corinne, what do you need? You know, and it's usually I'm exhausted or I haven't taken care of myself. And, and those days are less nowadays than they used to be. But mm. when you tap into this, I am worthy, all of a sudden now you're reminding yourself of all the things that are true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's the power of it really that this is the truth that we're just bringing to the forefront that we're putting a spotlight on yeah it's so awesome and and to be able to cultivate that and and then because it's a it's a belief like we get to choose what we want to believe about ourselves mm-hmm. so why not believe those stories instead of i am not worthy right i mean it seems pretty obvious when you put it like that <laughs> <laughs> and whatever we choose gets to be true. What do we pick it for ourselves? Let's pick the one that feels good. I uh, last weekend I was watching an old Super Soul Sunday because I have about a hundred hours of Oprah on my TiVo. My husband's like, "Come on, can I get rid of these?" <laughs> He's like, "We need a new TiVo because this one goes." Rrr. And I'm like, "No, I have to finish these." And so finally, I was like, oh, "Okay, I'll watch this." And I went through and. There was one of Jill Bolte Taylor and it was back when Oprah mm. had her radio show and Jill's been on my show before and we had this amazing interview many years ago. But so I'm familiar with her work, read her stuff and I, and I've heard this interview before with Oprah. But, you know, if for those that don't know, Jill Bolte Taylor had a stroke and she was a Harvard trained neuroanatomist. And so she was fascinated with going through the stroke process actually because it was like, wow, I'm experiencing it. And she left the, she lost the left side of her brain, which was all the stories. And one of the things that she told Oprah was, she goes, well, you get to choose this. You get to choose what you want to believe. And once she lost all the stories, like that difficult relationship she had with her mother was no longer because she didn't have that story. Just like all of her Harvard training was gone because she didn't have that language. And so when her mom was coming to the hospital, she could feel everybody's excitement. Mm -hmm. Gigi's coming. Gigi's coming. She's like, oh, that's great. Gigi's coming. What's a Gigi? (laughs) <laughs> right but she could just feel the energy and so that's like the work that you talk about so much mm-hmm. is you know what is the feeling state and mm-hmm. she's like i could feel it like she could feel their excitement because it was like okay wow. her mom is coming and then she could feel her mom's love without mm-hmm. the story oh of the gosh. past difficulties right that's and amazing so she was able to create new stories about her and her mom and build a new relationship wow wow that's huge wow so I think that's why, you know, when we talk about this, I am worthy, we are all worthy. I mean, we are here, right? And I used to really struggle with that because I used to believe I can only be worthy once I accomplish this or once I accomplish that. Uh, so many of us, yeah. Yeah. But to know that, okay, we we won the genetic lot, uh, lottery, right? We are here. Right. <laughs> it's a miracle. So we are here. So like, why argue with it? We are worthy. We are here. We are alive. Now what? Right. I, I, 
I, I don't think there's a more powerful perspective to go through life with than that one. I think it's a game changer, no matter what it is we're up to with our lives, to, um, to know who we truly are and to feel worthy of what we want. That, that one's huge. Do you ever not feel worthy? Oh yeah. Okay. It, all the time. That's just how I know I still have room for plenty, plenty <laughs> of room for improvement on the whole self-love thing. I think in the part of it is that's part of the fun of being human, right? I mean, if we were, if we were, uh, just pure love and light, you know, source energy, then we wouldn't be having the fun we are in our lives. So I don't, I don't quit. Guess what? I love that about me. <laughs> Like I, I don't judge it. I don't criticize. I'm better at not judging it or criticizing it. And, um, because that's, you know, another way that we don't love ourselves when we point out our failures or shortcomings or judge ourselves for whatever we think we're not doing right. So another act of self-love is to cut yourself some slack and let yourself just love yourself regardless, not conditionally that love there's love and conditions. They don't go together. If you love it, it is unconditional. So You can't even say to love yourself unconditionally. If you love yourself, it is unconditional. Mm, I love that. Okay. So as I'm watching the clock, oh my gosh. So we need to go and talk about the believing. Yeah. So not believing that you can have what you want. Right. Not believing that it exists even. Yeah. Like, um, and I've even bumped up against this one recently, but I love, I love being a conscious creator because I know if I can imagine it, I can have it. Like it, it can exist if I just let it. But if I, if I can't, if I'm, if I oppose my desires by thinking that it's, it's too good to be true or it doesn't exist or that doesn't happen, then I spoil the party. When I let myself believe in it, then I'm allowing myself to be a match to experiencing it. So like if a, if a person believes, I I mean, (laughs) how often have you heard someone say some, say too good to be true about something, whether Mm -hmm. it was a job or an investment opportunity, or a man, like, you know, someone just doesn't believe it could really be that good. That makes me kind of sad for them, because as you think, so shall it be. And, and my, for my own recent experience with this, as I was house hunting, I recognized I wanted the conveniences of being close to a city, but I also wanted to be in the country. Mm-hmm. So, and those two things didn't seem like they, like, phys- like, they couldn't go together. You can't be you can't get the benefits of the city while being out in the boonies. It doesn't work. You got to pick one or the other. But then I remembered, wait a minute, all I got to do is be willing to believe in it. If I can believe in it, then I can experience it. But as long as I'm thinking that it can't exist and that I'm going to have to settle or compromise, then the universe can't show it to me. But as soon as I get on board with it and let myself believe in what I want, and that might take some practice, it it certainly has in many of the big things that I've manifested in my life, like believing I could be um, a successful coach, like believing that I could make more money self-employed. I laugh because I've only, basically only made more money than I ever did. But once upon a time, I, I mean, I quit a six-figure job. I thought, you know, that was really good money. That would be tough to replace. But if you, pr- you can choose new beliefs. All you have to do is practice them. I love this quote from Abraham that says, a belief is just a thought that you kept thinking. So it's like kind of like brainwashing yourself into believing something new. Just repeat the thought over and over and over. You get enough airtime with it pretty soon, you're going to be more comfortable with that thought and it will become a belief. So it is something that you can consciously work with, but recognizing when this is your work, like to recognize that you're wanting something that you don't actually believe in, whether it's a fabulous guy who can be monogamous or whether it's a fabulous guy who could be monogamous who always also makes great money <laughs> and thinks the world of you or whatever and is straight i mean there there are a lot of opportunities for us to practice stretching what we believe in because past experience or even the experience of other people sometimes puts a constraint on what we're willing to allow oh i love that i love that so we may just have to do another whole nother show about believing. <laughs> I don't want this to end with you. It's too much fun. So getting back to um, when we talked about getting clear about what you want, right? So we, we talked about, and I think some tangible things of getting that part clear and it may take like the experimenting and, mm-hmm. and then there's the belief and there's the worthiness and then 
putting it out there and we're, we're really closing up on time. So can you say real quickly about what do we need to do to put it out there? So once we believe in it, once we, we, we feel worthy enough to have it, once we're clear on what it is that we want and we are, we're good at receiving and self-love, how do we go about putting it out there? I just want to say one thing about that. It is already out there. There isn't anything you need to do to put your instruction or your order in for universe or matrix, the field, God, whatever you want to call powers that be. It happens. It's such an automatic process. There isn't anything you have to do for that to be registered. It's just a matter of letting yourself, recognizing it for your own self. But um, they're putting it out there. It's automatic. It's part of the system. And anyone who is curious about that, study Abraham Hicks' work. There are three steps about the, the process of creation. We'll make this really clear. Oh, awesome. I love how it's already out there. We don't have to. Nope. We, you don't have to do anything. Do anything. It knows it better than you even do your own self. So it sounds like then it's really important to get clear on what it is that you want and to do your own internal work of believing yep. that you can have it and also feeling worthy. It's becoming a match to it. Really, mm-hmm. that's what the trick is, how to be a match to what you want. And and here's a short summary for that. Just practice feeling now how you would feel then. When you have what you want, if you imagine how you will feel then, just practice feeling that now. That makes you a vibrational match for what you want. If all you do after that is whatever you feel inspired to, you're home free. Oh my gosh, that was so good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jeanette, thank you so much. It went too fast again. I have so much fun with you. Thanks for inviting me back. Thank you. All right. Getting clear on what you want. So I want to circle back to this and using the car as the story, I didn't really know. I knew I wanted a car. I didn't really know. I didn't know what was currently on the market. I just, it was really simple. My top priority when I first went out was I wanted my iPhone to easily work with my car. No joke. That was my top priority. That had to be the big thing. And then as I went out and got a little bit more clear, the number of inches or the number of feet became really important. 184, um, I guess it's inches. 184 inches was really important. And and then it was also having a comfortable seat for my back because I have a bad back. And, you know, it was really going out there and paying attention what became important, learning about the new things out there that who knew you didn't even need to have your key out of your purse. You could just walk up to your car and it automatically unlocks and you get in the car. It was like, I didn't know that existed, right? I still had my push button. So you're not going to know what you want until you put yourself out there and give yourself some space to, as Jeanette would say, play, go and play and see. And that can be really hard for those of us that are like, I get stuff done, right? Need to be productive, need to be efficient. And if I had went about the car purchase in that way, that would be much more difficult. And like Jeanette said, whether it's trying to get a relationship or a job or certain aspect of your life, it's the same thing that can be applied in how I did the car purchase. It's about going out and experimenting. If you want to date, you know, what are the characters of somebody that you want to be with? Go and put yourself out there. Go and do a lot of different dates. See what are the things that are important. Because here's what I know. We have these stories. We have these dreams of what it is that we want. And then sometimes we get it and we go, huh, it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. So it's about really paying attention to what is the idea versus the reality? And is there a gap? And is the story a perception that you may have that doesn't quite fit? Again, like I had unpacked the story about the Audi. Loved the circles, loved the grill. When I really got down to it, not going to see the grill because I was going to be behind the wheel, right? And then I had to own, oh my gosh, Karen, because I could think that's really shallow. You're not a label person. But I did. I really, every time I see an Audi, I love the circles. I love the grill. I'm like, oh, that's so pretty. I just love it. I look at some other grills. I'm like, nope, not. I don't love it. It's why the grills, I have no idea, but that's what I see when I'm driving. And when it came down to it, that wasn't the prime. That wasn't even my top three. That wasn't even my top 10. And I had to unpack all these stories I had about the cars. And I had to get out there and figure out what were the important things. So getting clear about what you want before you ask for it, before you put it out there. There was a point in this car purchase, I was like, oh my gosh, I just want a car that has all the important things. But it was so vague because I didn't even know what the important things were. 
And then as I got really, really clear, the inches, the seat, the certain technology bits that I really wanted, it, it, it happened very quickly, not as quickly as Jeanette with the house where everything was like, yay, 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 right? But it really happened really quickly within a matter of seven days. So I listened to that and really learned to tune in and check in with myself. And even when other people gave me their opinions, which was so fascinating, and they're like, oh no, you can't get that car because you know the back seat's not big enough. I had to go, wait a second, this person has four kids and I don't have four kids that I'm driving around anymore. So I'm in a different state. So while I respect this person, we're in a different situation. And again, back in 2007, there's no way I would have thought of getting a smaller car. That wasn't, that wasn't even something I was going to think about. The constraint, there was, there was, the constraint was at least seven or eight seats, period. That had to happen. So I give you guys this to go out and practice. Start on the small stuff that you can play with that don't feel so vulnerable or huge at risk. And maybe it's going to the ice cream store and, you know, uh, saying, okay, I'm going to try this different flavor. We have this new ice cream store in town. It's all natural and they have like, you know, all sorts of different flavors. I can't even remember what they are, but there, it was very quite interesting. I think there's like, I don't know, like olive oil and vinegar or something. I mean, there was like very interesting flavors, but going back to this, to ask what you want, you have to know what you want. To know what you want, it's about putting yourself out there and practicing. Um, then, pr- and putting yourself out there and kind of, oh, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. Put yourself out there. The other part that is important is managing your mind. What are the stories that are in your head about the so-called things that you want? And are they true? And then what are your stories about yourself? Do you believe you're a person that can have this? Do you believe you're a person that can achieve higher education for yourself, right? Especially if you come from a family that hasn't had that. If your family of origin hasn't had higher education, you can still choose like I did to believe in yourself and go and pursue it if that's something that you want. Get clear about that and then choose the beliefs that you that will support you in the dreams that you're setting out for yourselves and the things that you want for yourself. And then again, believe in your own worthiness. I mean, so much of my work is about being worthy, my clients being worthy, you, the listener, believing in your worthiness. I love Jeanette's assignment. Go, that's something that you can go do. Get a piece of paper every day, write, I am worthy, I am worthy. And if that's all you can write, just start writing that. Because my hunch is a thousand times a day, you're telling yourself how once again, you're not good enough how once again you have messed up on this, how once again you're not a good enough mom, a good enough friend, a good enough employee, good enough this. So start writing, I am worthy. And as you build that muscle, then you can start adding, I'm worthy. I'm worthy of love. I'm worthy of belonging. I am worthy of great friendships. I am worthy of white space. I am worthy of giving myself time to go and read, whatever it is, right? Give yourself, write this down and start creating those new neural pathways in your brain. And then finally, I want to wrap up with something that Jeanette said that was so important, that it's the universe can only be as good to you as you are to yourself. The universe can only be as good to you as you are to yourself. And if you're expecting good things from the world, you have to lead the way by giving yourself good things. And so that means the thoughts that you choose to tell yourself. If you're expecting other people to tell that to you, you have to be able to tell it to yourself because you have to be able to receive. And it's so funny because this morning um, I got a thank you card from somebody who'd stayed at our house and they sent a, a, a gift card. And I was like, they didn't need to do that. And I was going to tell uh, one of my friends to tell her friend next time, tell her that she doesn't need to do that. And then I thought about it. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not receiving. So instead, my response is, thank you so much. That is so lovely and kind. Not necessary, but lovely and kind. And maybe that's still not receiving. I work on that. We're all works in progress. But so remember, if you are expecting good from the world, you have to lead the way by giving good things to yourself. And that happens in thoughts and actions. Good self-talk and treating yourself well. And what treating yourself well is going to be different for different people. So again, that goes back to what do you want? What is self-care for you? I used to think self-care was taking a bath, 
when I built my house, I made sure that there was no bathtub in my master ba- bathroom because I've always seen those to be like big laundry collectors and I didn't want it. I was like, I'm a busy person. I don't have time for bath. Now, you know, 15 years later, I really wish I had a bathtub, but I, you know, didn't want to do it because I was like, that. I don't do self-care in that way. And that's still not really how I do self-care. So for you to get clear, you're going to practice. And as you evolve, just like I have with my car, you're going to, your what you want changes over time as you evolve. So don't let that scare you. All right. It's time to do a shout out to Kim Kokomo. Kim Kokomo, thanks so much for taking the time to leave an iTunes review. And for those of you that are just wanting to do that and help the show out, go to the podcast show notes and there's a link there and it'll take you a few minutes. And thank you so much. I love them. And it does help the show. And it also helps people who are like, hmm, is this person worthwhile? What can I get from this? And and there's a consistency throughout all the reviews about what the show means to them or what it brings to them. So thank you so much. And until next time, I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide